0: Hi and uh, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Today we are focusing on a resource uh, designed specifically for practitioners who need to make informed decisions when they procure um, transport modeling services, but they may not necessarily be equipped with um, specialist experience and skills uh, in this field. My name is Ekaterina. Uh, I'm a communications officer at Austroads. You can see all my contact details uh, up on the slide, so if you have any questions or need any assistance after the webinar, please feel free to call me or email me and I will be happy to help. I acknowledge um, the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to Elders past present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. Um, A little bit about Austroads. Uh, We are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies. Our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network our structure. Um, so Austroads uses a program management approach to deliver its work. Um, each program is focused on an operational area of the road system. And the project that we are discussing today was delivered under the transport network operations program, which is, uh, which is managed by Richard Dell Place. Um, A bit of housekeeping for today. Uh, So our presenter will speak for 40 minutes uh, and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. We record all our sessions and you will receive an email from us uh, once it's ready and uploaded uh, on our website. You can also search for Austroats in uh, your podcast app. Uh, The report and the slides, uh, these webinars based on, uh, can be downloaded uh, from the handout section of your sidebar uh, which you will find on the right hand side uh, of your screen. This report can also be downloaded from the website for free. Uh, Please send us your questions at any time uh, during the webinar, just simply type them in the questions box uh if you could let us know the slide number that your question relates to that would be really great because uh it helps us answer your question as best um, as we can if you run into any technical issues for example you lose sound or your picture freezes uh that's most likely uh the issue with your connection so try uh, leaving the session closing your browser and rejoining again usually that helps to uh, fix these kind of issues um and um, it gives me great pleasure uh, to introduce our presenter today Brian Lee Brian is an Associate Director at GTA Consultants with over 12 years experience in the assessment and delivery of traffic and transport infrastructure projects in Australia with a particular focus on traffic and transport modeling. So Brian has extensive experience um, managing major transport infrastructure projects for government agencies, as well as for private sector clients. Some of the key projects that Brian has been involved uh, in include Parramatta Light um, Rail, Sydney Western Harbour Tunnel and Beaches Link, uh, and Melbourne Metro Construction Assessment. So Brian will take us um, through the project methodology and background, uh, followed by the guideline overview and some uh, worked examples. So welcome Brian, I'm going to hand over to you.
1: Thank you, Katerina, for the introduction, and um, speaking of the internet connection issues, I am experiencing that, so unfortunately, I won't be able to share my webcam, but hopefully, uh, you'll be able to hear me clearly. Um, so, yes, starting off with giving you a bit of background on the um, the guideline, I hope I hope I'll be able to provide you with some insight on developing the Building Transport Modeling Management Guidelines, as well as, give you an idea of the content that may be useful in your work. Um, I'll start off by just um, introducing you to the project team that was involved. So the core project team is shown here on the left of the slide with Richard Del Place coordinating and leading the project from an Osroads perspective. Uh, The project team was managed by Jared Bromley with support from the GTA team, including Robert Deuce and myself but I'd also like to acknowledge the rest of the team that was behind the scenes from both uh, Osroads as well as GTA, who all played a part a, a key part in pulling this guideline together. Uh, on the right of this slide in indicates the team of re- reviewers who provided feedback and content when called upon at various stages of the study. So I'd just like to also thank them for their time and contribution in numerous consultation sessions that occurred during the study. Um, So this slide just gives a bit more detail on the Osroads Working Group, um, which indicates the diverse nature of feedback that we sought from key government representatives from within each Australian state and territory, as well as New Zealand. Um, In addition, uh, the ATAP Steering Committee also played a key role in the Working Group, and this was represented by Peter Tisato. So again, I just want to acknowledge the role that the Working Group played to guide and shape the content of the guidelines. Now to just provide you with a bit of background on the project, uh, transport modeling in its various forms are, are fast becoming almost a standard component for any project or study. And they're typically used to inform the transport impacts as well as kind of, uh, use as a basis to make uh, decisions. Uh, there is a you know, vast quantity of technical material available to en- enable model users in the application of modeling. Including OSROADS, who already have a suite of guidelines available as shown here in those pictures. And there is some handout material for this webinar which references some of the the links to access these guidelines. But noting that, yeah, existing guidance and some of these OSROADS may potentially be historic and outdated. So just keep that in mind when looking at those guidelines. Um, Nevertheless, there is probably limited guidance targeted specifically at the management of modelling studies, which is the purpose of this guideline. And guidance available is typically directed at technical audiences or modellers themselves. So having consideration to the background and uh, and the project, um, the Building Transport Modelling Management Guidelines have been developed to uh, address the items that are listed here as the purpose and objectives. Um, I won't go through each of these dot points uh, in detail, but I guess in summary and overall, uh, the, the purpose of the study was to develop um, guidance for the target audience, which I'll talk to in a second, uh, and hoping to assist them to make informed decisions when commissioning uh, mesoscopic, microscopic, and intersection modeling services, as well as managing the and communicating the associated processes. Um, the guidance is not intended to equip the target audience with technical knowledge and detail about models themselves so uh, yeah it's not supposed to enable to them to run models and that kind of stuff but hopefully uh, the guidance will form part of best practice guidelines for modeling that OSROADS is contributing to So to help explain who this guideline is uh, predominantly targeted at the figure shown on this slide shows an indicative project team structure for a project um, that involves some modelling work, uh, both on the client side as well as the service provider side. So uh, keep in mind that, again, this is just a typical structure and I'm I'm sure there's uh, many variances of this structure, but uh, this can be used as a guide. Um, And as shown in this figure, the guidance is kind of geared towards the project manager on the client side. Um, and hoping to give them a high level understanding of the modelling processes and requirements in order to improve their communication with the service provider as well as other stakeholders as required. Um, I also want to highlight that while we've defined it as such, the project manager on the client side, uh, this does not preclude the ability for others such as students or even modellers themselves to use this guideline and, and get an understanding of what is expected from. Uh, by modelling and how best these are managed, as well as understanding the whole process. Um, also, just want to reiterate that yeah, this um, guideline is not intended to replace the technical guidance that modelers rely upon to develop their models, or even replace agency processes or protocols, and rather, hopefully, it will complement the existing suite of guidance that's already available in order to assist the target audience. So the the next part of this webinar, um, I will take you through the approach adopted to develop these guidelines, as well as highlight some of the key drivers that helped us target the specific areas of the modeling process, which was considered necessary for the target audience. Um, We will first look at the approach, which will be summarized in this slide. Um, The first step that was undertaken was to look into the industry and do some background research and prepare a literature review of all available model guidelines or modelling papers that or we could to get our hands on really. Um, the research conducted was expansive and looked at documents at both a national and international scale. Um, so it's important to note that when developing these guidelines, we, we, there was no intention to almost make up a new set of rules, uh, rather th- this research was important as we look to uh, use the information from these documents to inform the content, if there was already uh, comprehensive or uh, reliable information that we could draw upon. Uh, In addition, as part of this initial step, we also undertook an actual survey that was released to the Road and Transport Agency representatives, as well as uh, some of their modeling consultants. Um, One of the key objectives of the survey was to gain some feedback on some current strengths and weaknesses in the available guidelines. Uh, understand the current working processes as well as identify any gaps in the current guidelines for project managers and the the results of this survey ultimately helped to shape the structure and content of the building transport modelling management guidelines and I'll take you through that shortly. Um, The next phase once the industry research and review was completed was to prepare a working structure of the document and the intended content for review by the working group. Uh, As indicated in the previous slides, the working group consisted of representatives from all states and territories, including New Zealand, and as such we were able to get a good grasp on the expectations that agencies have individually as well as collectively, and we tried to accommodate that in setting up the guidelines. Following agreement on the the working structure of the document and the intended content, yeah, it was time to actually you know, prepare the actual content of each of the chapters, which um, yeah was a long and iterative process um, that was reviewed many times by the working group and the various uh, other, other uh, stakeholders that are involved. Um, and we, we ensured that this feedback was fed into the process to ensure that the content was appropriate and suitable and not contradicting what. Uh, each jurisdiction or agency may strive for from a modeling process perspective. And then finally, the the report was reviewed and published uh, following a review by the OSROADS board. And then here we are now with the training webinar. Now this next slide, Um, It shows a typical model hierarchy on the left-hand side, uh, starting from your strategic models at the upper upper level, followed by your simulation being your mesoscopic and microscopic models, and then down to your detailed intersection modelling. We'll talk to this a bit later on, but I guess the point of this slide is to highlight that the focus area of this building transport modelling management guidelines is is at the simulation or mesoscopic and microscopic model, as well as intersection model level. Um, also, just to point out that, that during this process, we also uh, were engaged to develop some guidance for project managers at the strategic model level, uh, but this was prepared to mainly to perform, uh, inform um, you know, future updates to the ATAP demand modelling guidelines. Now. I can't- so well, uh, this slide kind of shows the key outcomes from the industry survey, which I think it's worthwhile sharing with you. So thinking back to the very initial step of our approach, um, yeah, the the the, the box is shown here uh, presents you know, the, the range of issues and opportunities that were raised through the industry survey and could be addressed through the development of the guidelines. Uh, and it certainly demonstrated a clear need for additional guidance within these various topic areas. Um, yeah a summary of these responses I'll go through uh, with you, and yeah it's mainly reflective of what uh, agency representatives and their consultants perceived as requiring, requiring um, further guidance or improvement. So things such as yeah, understanding what the model purpose uh, purpose of modeling and the questions being asked of modeling, uh, the knowledge of different types of models and the model categories, how they can be defined and the different terminologies used. Um, Understanding the limitations of models and being able to manage the expectations of what you can expect to to gain from modeling. Um, Moving to the left that how do the various model categories interface? So there's a specific chapter on that, which we'll talk to later on. Understanding the types of model outputs and how we can interrogate those outputs. Um, The the guideline also provides some information on the data that's available and how it can be used and applied in various uh, model scenarios. Uh, From a project management perspective, the uh, anticipated budget and timing requirements, as well as the level of detail that you may expect to find in model briefs, and how we can communicate these uh, model outputs to decision makers and stakeholders as well as trying to ensure some consistency between jurisdictions. So hopefully um, this kind of gives you a little appreciation of how the guideline was developed. Um, Now before I get into some of the details that can be found in the guidelines, just a friendly reminder to please send in any questions uh, per the instruction on this slide. And uh, we have made some time available at the end of this webinar to hopefully be able to answer your questions. Now the, next, the next part of this webinar will give you an overview of the content that can be found in the guidelines and hopefully assist uh, you in your interactions with modelling. Um, I think it's important to reiterate upfront that you know, the content that can be found in these guidelines is not intended to be the sole source of information and it, doesn't, it does not intend to sit above any requirements that may be already stipulated by government agencies. Rather, it, it tries to bridge the gap where there may be uncertainties or inconsistencies and in hoping to steer, you know, project managers or whoever's reading this guideline, to steer them on the right track if, uh, if they're unable to find a suitable modeling resource or if, you know, they're, they're, um, there's no one available to assist them. So to provide you with an overview of the guidance content, the table on this slide simply outlines the structure and chapters of the guidelines. Um, It's generally, I guess, self-explanatory in what you can expect to find in each chapter, Um, but it's uh, important to note that it's not expected for you to read this uh, whole guideline from beginning to end in one sitting. And I don't know if you've had a look at the document, but given the length, I certainly wouldn't recommend it anyway, Uh, but rather the reader should be able to pick up the guideline and proceed directly to the area of interest uh, that they may want some guidance from and hopefully take some useful notes that they can use to enhance their knowledge on the topic. Um, Now running through the chapter list, I'll go through it pretty quickly. So chapter one just gives you a bit of introduction uh, on the study and some background and context. Um, Chapter two uh, gives you an overview of what transport models are, including defining the various model categories and the discussion on their importance and application in various project types, uh, such as your business cases or economics assessments, environmental assessment, feasibility, et cetera. Um, The next two chapters, three and four, then talk specifically on the important considerations for uh, simulation and intersection models themselves and things that managers should be aware of. And this is followed by chapter five, which describes the integrated modeling approach, um, which utilizes the various model categories within uh, the model process and highlights the relationships and dependencies between each category. Uh, chapter, Chapter six then provides some guidance on the typical modeling process and what is important for a project manager to consider throughout the process from project inception to completion. Um, Chapter seven provides a bit more detail on developing model briefs and what should be provided to consultants to ensure that they get responses that are informative and they're able to make decisions from. Uh, Chapter eight talks about the data side of things and the different types of techniques and how how they relate to the different model categories, as well as some kind of key common challenges and uh, risks associated with data. And then finally, chapter nine, Uh, Talks to the different types of model reports that are generally expected when uh, during the modeling, uh, during a modeling study. Um, Also, important to note that throughout the document, uh, there are some project manager consideration call out boxes. I think the format might have been changed uh, from what you can see on the slide, but it should be pretty clear in the document. But these have been included throughout the guideline to highlight some of the key topics or items that should be understood by project managers. Uh, it's certainly by no means the only considerations to, for project managers or the audience, but rather they're simply important uh, thoughts relevant to the respective chapters and it should be read the context of the surrounding discussion. Now, the the following slides in this section of the webinar will reference the typical modeling process, um, which is shown on this slide, and identify how and where the respective chapters of the guideline could be used to assist the audience through each stage of the process. Um, Just a bit of a warning that the content of this webinar is not intended to go through each topic area or chapter in in a high amount of detail, and so I'm gonna try to maintain a balance of yeah, providing an overview, but also adding detail where there are some important considerations. Uh, but hopefully at the end of it, it will create some awareness on the content that is included to, uh, I guess, help kick off your journey into the modeling world or assist um, you know, your current processes. Um, so we'll start off by looking at the guidance from uh, for pre-engagement activities, which we've labeled it, where the project manager may be looking to define what a model will be used for in the context of the study, um, they might be looking to prepare model briefs for consultants to respond to and how they can evaluate these responses. Um, and then following the pre-engagement activities, you'll, you'll, we'll look through the guidance to identify how the guidelines can be used to inform project managers following procurement of a consultant to undertake and deliver the modelling work. So. Um, I guess the first step outlined in the typical modelling process is to define the model purpose and the objectives, but before jumping into what you know a model can be used for, uh, chapter two of the guidelines provides an overview of the current situation and the common issues that are faced with modelling in order to give readers some awareness of these problems. Um, it also sets out the preamble on how this guideline could be used to tackle some of these common issues, such as you know, there, um, there may be issues and limitations with these existing gui- guidelines that um, there are inconsistent approaches, so various jurisdictions may have different ways to approach a particular study. Um you know, the relevance and advice of data, uh, enhancing the collective use of the various models, so how best to undertake an integrated modeling approach and the risks associated with it, as well as communicating the model outputs. And you know, the development of these building transport modelling management guidelines have been prepared to try to address these issues. Um, chapter 2 also provides some comprehensive information regarding various models themselves and tries to simply define each model category um, and identify how they can be used within the context of various types of transport studies. Um, it's I think it's highly important for project managers to know that the type of model would have an impact on the type of outputs that could be attained in order to properly inform the project and communication with stakeholders. So being able to make an informed decision and participate in discussions with the technical team members early in the project process would certainly go a long way to help project managers be able to help guide and shape the methodology that's being adopted for modelling. so this figure on the left here shows the the model category, and that's found in Chapter Two, and you know, highlights some of the typical uh, purpose that they're applied for. Obviously, there are can be a bit subjective, and yeah, you know, there are various ways and that you could define where a particular model sits within this hierarchy. But uh, yeah, referring back to the literature, literature review, this is kind of almost the most common one that, um, that you can find out there. Same with the Uh, definitions and categories on the table on the right, again, this can be found in chapter two. Uh, This is just a high level summary to give project managers and the target audience an overview of um, the typical definitions and features of these various model categories. Um, Also found in chapter two, but not not, uh, shown on this slide or in this slide package, is the There is a section that outlines some of the key elements that should be considered when selecting a model technique to inform a study. Uh, This is attached as an appendix to the guidelines um, and it's generally been replicated from the early Osteroids guidelines, but essentially it's a whole checklist of the different elements of modeling. And you can go through and kind of tick off the ones that are relevant to the study and hopefully at the end of it you'll come up with a. Uh, potential solution that you could adopt Um, I guess uh, moving on so after setting up the model purpose and objectives uh, a model brief is usually then developed and tailored to the specific purpose which would seek to outline to respondents uh, on what is required from a modeling perspective Uh, chapter 7 of these building transport modelling management guidelines is dedicated to outline the importance of developing a comprehensive brief uh, and some of the key considerations on what, what would help to gain a comprehensive review uh, response for review. Um, the more I guess the more useful information that can be provided to respondents of the brief ensures that there is clarity in the model requirements for service. Um, and then modellers can then make a sensible decision in their proposed approach. Um, and this may also not be limited just to technical requirements of modelling, but could also consider the broader project considerations such as you know, your work programs, um, the level of stakeholder engagement, the review process. Um, all of this would potentially have an influence on how a respondent may decide to define their appropriate approach. Um, also, another key consideration is the level of creative freedom that. Um, that they're willing to give to the consultant. So often there are you know, multiple ways to tackle a solution from a modeling perspective and you know, modelers, uh, I think being smart people, they're constantly increasing their knowledge and evolving it to keep up with you know, the, the advances in technology, uh, whether it be the software itself or just you know, the data collection. Uh, so the, the brief should also you know, consider whether you know, it's pertinent to stick with um, what has been prescribed or the, the traditional methods or allow for these alternate methods to be considered without distracting from the suitability of the modeler's response. And then in the evaluation stage, so naturally after the model briefs have been prepared and submitted, an um, evaluation period will begin to review order responses and chapter six of the guidelines highlight some of the key criteria that would be typically uh, reviewed, including you know, your commercial criteria such as you know, the cost, the time, the value as well as your non-commercial criteria, such as understanding and appreciating what the project is about, uh, the proposed methodology for modeling, work program, capability and experience. And then that kind of leads us to the post engagement stage. So upon procurement of a successful consultant, the modeling work will naturally commence with the care activities summarized in these stages from present inception to the data collection to delivering the model service, and then the review and order process and the reporting completion of the modelling. Um, the next slides will, yeah, will provide you with an outline on how these guidelines can help assist project managers during these post-engagement stages, um, starting off with project inception. So chapter six of the guidelines offers some guidance on the typical items that should be discussed or agreed upon during the project inception meeting. Um, and I think this is important to consider because um, ensuring you talk about the right things at inception would kind of go a long way to ensure the success successful, uh, of the project. Um, so items such as you know, introducing the team members and agreeing communication protocols, uh, clarifying anything regarding the models and their requirements, agreeing on data collection and uh, the timeframes and project management requirements, all of this can be discussed at Project Receptions and chapter six gives you some information on that. Um, and then I guess the first step, uh, the next step is transport data collection, which is generally, I guess, considered the first step in any modelling process. Um, as you may or may not be aware, uh, your models are heavily reliant on current traffic data, which is used to develop a baseline or reference model from which the model will be calibrated and validated to. Uh, So chapter eight of the guidelines provides some comprehensive information on the role of data in the modeling process and its impact on the delivery of successful or even unsuccessful models. Um, Chapter also goes through all the kind of typical data collection techniques that can be considered. Uh, when collecting information about traffic volumes on roads or traffic performance on the road network, as well as any other requirements depending on the the project scope. Uh, In addition, the the challenges in collecting suitable data is presented to inform project managers of the risks risks involved in collecting traffic data and methods in the way that this this could be minimized or supported by other forms of analysis. also contained within this chapter is some discussion on the more recent trends in data collection, uh, particularly you know, big data or large data uh, sets that are becoming more and more available through open source channels uh, They can be accessed online or purchased from other companies or you know, obtained from you know, government agencies. Um, I also just want to point out uh, that this chapter, while we've defined it here in the post-engagement stages, um, it certainly would also be useful for project managers to consider during the pre-engagement stages, and in particular during the preparation of model briefs um, where they may be able to prescribe the availability of data, or at least the minimum expectations uh, to be considered in their proposal for works.
0: So now moving on
1: to the modeler actually delivering the modelling service. Uh, chapter three and four of the Building Transport Modelling Management Guidelines has uh, some content on specific elements that make up you know, simulation and intersection models. Uh, obviously, we we could talk for a very long time about the individual models themselves, and um, yeah, so this chapter does not intend to cover every single element as well, so what you should find in the guidelines is hopefully some clear and concise commentary on some of the key elements that project managers should be aware of when managing their consultant. And um, these are listed here, which I'll uh, just talk to for a second. So you know, things like selecting uh, the model extents, such as you know, how far or wide should you go with the study area, um, what should make up the model network that's being assessed at the composition, uh, things such as you know different road types, uh, different driver behaviours, vehicle types, and the modes of transport should be considered. Um, The chapter also provides a generic modelling process and some anticipated timeframes uh, for the delivery of certain uh, things within the modelling process. Um, It identifies some of the key features for the development of a base case model, um, as well as uh, referencing some criteria in how you may be able to deem an appropriate model.
0: Um, it
1: also outlines some uh, scenarios that could be tested in the future years, such as you know, your do-nothing scenarios or your do-minimum scenarios, as well as different types of options that could be tested in the design years. Um, and then it also provides a little bit of information about the typical model outputs that you could attain from the various model categories. So having you know this level of knowledge will at least enable the project manager to be able to communicate with their modelers on some of the technical items without being lost in all the information that may be available or communicated so and it, it would also help uh, the project manager being able to communicate this to the other project team members or stakeholders uh, as required um, similar to the data Collection chapter. Uh, this chapter would also be useful for project managers during the pre engagement stages um, in order to help set out the modelling requirements for their project. Um, the next slide just outlines yeah, an integrated modelling approach, which uh, is discussed in chapter five. Um, this is A common approach where model categories um, of models are used, each with their own purpose, uh, but all have a role to play play in in order to provide a holistic assessment of the road or transport network. Um, Chapter 5 outlines some of the typical compositions of integrated modelling, which may comprise of some or or, all of the modelling categories but noting that yeah, to ensure successful application of integrated modelling, the, the outputs of the higher order models, such as your strategic models, should be used as an input into your your lower order models. Um, and whilst this figure looks uh, somewhat simplistic, it's certainly not as straightforward as it appears on paper, as yeah, there are many considerations given the different levels of details between the categories of modelling. So this chapter talks to this and the challenges faced and provides some examples of those common challenges as well as some potential solutions that you could consider to address them. Now the next phase which is shown here is the peer review and audit. And while the time or the process um, shows that the peer review and audit process is undertaken following completion of the model of service, can be undertaken at various stages of the modeling process, and they're usually staged upon the completion of key deliverables, such as the completion of the Basie model. Um, I guess uh, the difference between peer review and audit, OSROADS is defined you know, peer reviews as being um, a reviewer maintaining ongoing or continuous involvement in the modeling process, uh, so they have the ability to review models and documentation um, and ensure that the model is on track, whereas an audit uh, has been defined as um, a review upon completion of the the modeling and their assessment. Um, So there is, I guess, potential risks with the audit being that if a significant flaw is found um, in the review or audit process, then it may have an impact on what the actual model outcomes are if a full rebuild of the model is required. But I guess, nevertheless, uh, nowadays, the terms can be used pretty loosely, and it should be the onus of the project managers to understand how they would like the review process to be undertaken, and more commonly, a peer review, as it's defined here, is typically undertaken for the larger scale models, uh, where the the importance of the model is higher, in comparison to some of the smaller scale models where uh, they're generally a bit more uh, easier to manage. And then I guess furthermore consideration as to whether uh, the review should be undertaken from an independent consultant on on their own or if a review by internal agency members would suffice, uh, or even both should be required so that need to consider um, the project importance and the budget of the project as to what's most appropriate. Um, So coming towards the end of the modeling process, uh, model outputs and reporting has been identified. So chapter nine of the Building Transport Modeling Management Guidelines provides some key considerations into the content and structure of the typical model reports that are prepared. Um, however, noting that yeah, you should check this with the project to ensure that the report is able to communicate to the objectives of the study. And the, also, kind of reiterating that the requirements from the relevant road and transport authority should also be adhered to and referred to rather than solely, solely rec- uh, relying on this guidelines. However, um, yeah, well, while the process here is um, also shows that the model reporting comes after the completion of the modeling service, Uh, certainly not necessarily the case. Uh, For example, the the model scoping reports, which is the first report listed here, outlines the methodology that modelers would propose to undertake the work, uh, and this should be completed and agreed to prior to the commencement of any modeling work. Uh, the base model calibration and validation report, which documents the inputs, assumptions, and outcomes of the base year model, uh, should be completed and endorsed by the relevant project team members and their reviewers upon completion of the base year model and prior to any options testing. And finally, the option assessment report naturally comes upon completion of the modelling service. So that brings us to the end of talking about the content within the guidelines. And I guess before we move on to some of the uh, quick worked examples that we've prepared, I just wanted to highlight a few key points about the use of the the guidelines. So the the guideline is not intended to replace the need to consult internal agency modeling resources or expertise that's available. They should always be the first point of call, I guess, when in doubt, and as mentioned earlier, this guideline hopefully bridges the gap when required. The the guideline supplements the current suite of OSRO's guidelines uh, in regards to traffic modelling, as referred to earlier on in this webinar. And then finally, I guess the guideline does not replace the need to refer to established modelling guidelines, such as your jurisdiction guidelines. These are typically, I guess, more technical and targeted to model users, but most, if not all, already contain some level of information that may be useful uh, for project managers. I guess the the preparation of these guidelines also sought to consolidate the available guidelines where possible and referencing them as required. Um, This final section of the webinar, Provide you with some quick work examples to demonstrate how the guidelines could be used in some hypothetical scenarios. Uh, the first work example is in relation to operating in the pre engagement stages, which is a project manager of a major infrastructure project requires traffic modelling services to inform their traffic and transport assessment. He or she has no modeling experience and limited knowledge of its capabilities. However, has been nominated to lead the procurement of a suitable modeling consultant to assist with the project's needs. So some key elements to consider is that the project manager is uninformed about modeling and has almost been thrown into the deep end to lead the procurement of modeling for the project. So the question is, how can they use this guide to assist them in developing a successful project brief, and specifically what chapters should they refer to? Um, to help you understand how the guideline could be used for this particular scenario, I'll just refer to the guideline contents on this in this table and highlight the chapters of relevance. So the, the first point of call um, is to, uh, before jumping into the guidelines, is to speak to their modeling team and understand, yeah, whether there's any kind of standard operating procedures or processes that's, that they should follow. Um, if they're not getting enough information or they just want more clarification um, or, or additional reference, then they can use this guide to get an understanding of you know, which model would best suit the project needs. So they could refer to chapter two of these guidelines, which will give them some clarification on you know, the various model categories, as well as identify which uh, model category may best suit their application in terms of the information in the models as well as the outputs. They can also refer to chapter six which will familiarise themselves with what they expect to encounter throughout the modelling process. And then chapter seven could also be referred to uh, to help them gain, gain an understanding of the typical requirements and content in model briefs and ensure that their consultants are well informed of not only what the model requirements, but also the broader project uh, requirements. And ultimately, this will help the project managers put the brief together. Um, they can also refer to the specific modeling chapters, so chapter three and four, to get an appreciation of the type of information and details that go into modeling so that they can outline realistic expectations when drawing up a model brief. And then I guess finally, uh, once they've gone through all that, they ultimately should get it checked by their modelling representative or senior representative. Um, we'll go into the second work example now, which is in relation to post engagement stages. So, a road or transport agency representative with some knowledge of modelling capabilities has moved into state. In their first encounter with modelling on a project, he or she has been included into a team mid project and has noticed that the general operations are different to what they have experienced previously. In addition, he or she is unaware of a modeling team or representative within the agency to refer to. So again, some key points here is that the project manager comes from interstate with uh, understanding a completely different process to what they're involved in now. And uh, they've been included into the team mid-project, um, and while they have some knowledge of modeling, they, they may be getting some experience so how can they use this guideline to assist them and provide confidence that they are following the correct procedures and gathering the correct data to inform the model Um, so again I guess the first point of call is to speak to their line manager and understand whether there is a modeling team or representative that they could contact to assist but either way, then they need to do some research into whether the agency has any standard operating procedures or processes for modeling applications. Um, if there's no modeling team available or that they're unable to get some information, they can use this guideline to broadly understand the key concepts on what they should look out for um, to at least help them move in the right direction. So chapter six, um, can be referred to uh, to help them understand the typical modeling process and they can use this as a reference to what they already know. Uh, chapter 3, 4 and 5 would also be useful and can be referred to to give them a better understanding of the typical elements uh, within the model category that is being performed in their project. Um, then they could also look into chapter 9 to understand you know, the deliverables and the type of information that they that should be presented throughout the project. But again, that they should be seeking validation from the modeling team uh, within their agency. So that comes, uh, brings us to the end of the presentation. I hope you know, I've given you some insight into the guideline itself and how it can be applied in your daily activities, or at least create some awareness of these guidelines so that you, know, you have another re- reference in your library of resources. Um, I'll pass it back over to Arena now.
0: Um, Thank you very much, Brian, for such an interesting presentation and we have very many questions. Um, So before we get to them, I want to say that if we can't answer your question today, we will definitely respond to all of the questions in writing and we'll email you the copy of the response um, after the webinar. Um, So I will start with uh, the feedback that we received from Sidra. I think I'll take us to slide 16. Right. Um, I understand that they have raised some concerns um, about the way models are classified in the report and the way the report describes the function of intersection modeling. So what would be your comment on that?
1: Yes. uh, Yeah, thank you, Karina, and thank you, Sidra, for providing that feedback. Um, I I won't go through the response in great detail, and as we've discussed offline, we can kind of um, try to respond to... Your feedback um, more after this webinar, but I guess yeah, there are many uh, yeah, different ways that we could interpret interpret the categorization of models and yeah, the respective software. Um, our the guideline here is based on yeah, extensive research and based on extensive literature review that was undertaken. Where I guess most would most papers or guidelines would suggest that SIDRA uh, they were placed here in the intersection model category but nevertheless uh, um, yeah, the, the guideline was developed over the past few, two years and I'm sure that there's been uh, changes in you know, software and advances in the software itself and yeah, we, we don't want to talk about the software specifically in this guideline uh, but um, I guess that's our kind of initial response but like I said we'll, we will respond in more detail after the webinar.
0: Okay, uh, thank you, Brian. Um, while we are on this slide, there is another question. Um, so, why is this project focused on simulation and intersection modeling services? Are they only uh, are they the only models available, or is it because they reflect certain aspects of uh, transport operations, for example, safety or efficiency or budgeting, uh, etc.? Yes,
1: um, thank you for that question as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you, um, I guess. The purpose of these guidelines was focused at the simulation and intersection model uh, levels because it, it's more relatable from OSTROAD's perspective in terms of the road and transport. Um, strategic models, uh, there was some discussion on that and as I said we, we have developed uh, some guidance in regards to strategic models but um, yeah, it was agreed during the study that this was best informed as part of the uh, potential updates to the ATAP guidelines, which talks more about the demand modeling and strategic model side of things. So, off roads, we uh, focused on the simulation section models.
0: Okay, uh, thank you. Um, I will take us to slide 12. Oh, sorry, I think that's the wrong one. Yeah, I think I wanted this slide. So, project background. So, when you talked about the project background, you mentioned that in some instances, uh, modeling assessments are compulsory to obtain uh, project approval. So in those cases, what resources are used by practitioners and how is it assured that those models are robust?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question as well. Um, So I guess, yeah, typically a lot of the resources are based on existing jurisdictional uh, requirements. Such as, yeah, you know, to reference a few, like your roads, roads and maritime services traffic modelling guidelines. There's thick Roads guidelines for these types of models, uh, main roads, Western Australia. So there's a whole suite of information that's already out there that's uh, been developed and a lot of research has gone to by agencies themselves. So um, again, just reiterating that, yeah, you know, the, the development of these building transport, this building transport modelling management guidelines is not to you know, sit above those requirements, or you know, it's, it's hopefully complementing that set of guidelines. And um, as I, I think I tried to uh, reiterate in the webinar that we we look to we sort information from all those guidelines and try to consolidate it all to provide you know a consolidated set uh, for from Australia's perspective. So we we certainly don't uh, preclude the need to refer to the jurisdiction guidelines. Um, but yeah
0: okay thanks Uh, I guess yeah now we need slide 12 Um, one of our participants um, is asking is it expected that the guidelines will become a mandatory requirement for state and federal transport agencies or just uh, a resource to use um, at their discretion
1: yep Uh, more the latter I guess it's again it's to complement the existing suite of guidance that's uh, already available uh, in the industry it's not to sit above any requirements so um, yeah i'll just repeat that we're we're trying to bridge a gap here to assist managers um, and and it, and yeah this is targeted at managers so it doesn't go into the level of detail that you may expect to, uh, that you typically find in modeling guidelines but hopefully it gives some clear and concise guidance to assist in the management of modeling
0: Right, um, will it provide assistance for scenario planning and um, analysis examin- example for, for example, for post-COVID-19 planning and analysis?
1: Not that I'm aware of, I don't believe it does. It does provide some guidance on uh, yeah, the, the type of scenarios that can be assessed uh, for the various uh, simulation in section models. Um, obviously, we've developed this, over the past two years, uh, yeah, post-COVID COVID being yeah, the, yeah, a very fresh subject, it's probably not talking to that directly, um, but yeah, we, we, we certainly have some information there regarding how scenarios could be um, developed or tested.
0: Um, well, what impact do you think COVID um, will have on data collection and also in um, calibration and uh, validation of the models?
1: Yeah, that, that's a very good question, and yeah, it, um, yeah, the, there will definitely be an impact in terms of you know, our behaviours. Um, and yeah, putting modelling aside, it's just the general kind of social behaviours that are going to change, which you know, has a flow and effect to the road and transport network. Um, what I guess what, what would change in terms of data collection is um, yeah, whether it's whether we have a new baseline to refer to. So whether we accept this as the new norm and, and um, yeah, the historic data is now outdated, but um, I guess that we need to discuss that and we need to put some, I guess, needs to be some case studies and tests regarding that. And I guess it will depend on the individual agency requirements as to how we can uh, move forward with this.
0: Thank you. Um, The next question uh, relates to uh, slide 13 where you talked about the target audience. So, all the targeting project managers mainly, um, would you recommend the guideline for modelers as well or um, other users, for example, students?
1: Yes, I think um, it's certainly useful for anyone that that, um, is starting off in modeling, so students included, um because it provides that kind of high level understanding of what models are um how they can be applied and you know what goes into models and you know the general process in terms of modeling itself so it's whilst yeah we've defined it as the target audience initially being the project manager uh it certainly doesn't preclude the need to for other people to use it so and regarding modelers themselves um they can also use this as a reference, so they get an understanding of yeah, how a road and transport agency may operate, which will help them kind of uh, give them information as to how they may need to structure certain elements of, yeah, models.
0: All right. Thank you. Uh, I will take us to question 17, where you talked about the survey, um, and a few participants are interested to know um, who responded to the survey. Um, whether their responses were consistent across jurisdictions, um, and whether it would be possible to provide a full list of respondents.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check with Osroads on that, but um, I I believe that in the appendix to the guideline there is a chapter that talks to the um, the well, it gives a detailed summary of the outcomes of the survey. Um, And yeah, in general, I think there was a consistent uh, theme, which is kind of summarized on this slide uh, across the jurisdictions and across all the respondents that participated. So um, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, as I said, you can refer to the, the, the responses in the appendix to the guideline
0: all right thank you Um, next question would be in relation to slide 24 Um, so what models are held and maintained by road agencies and how do they provide access to these models models to projects that uh, need to deliver specific modeling analysis
1: yeah that's a good question as well so um, yeah I guess in recent times I guess Yeah, models are starting to become bigger and bigger because, uh, well, pre COVID, road congestion was getting uh, becoming wider and wider. So, strategic models are typically run by government agencies themselves. I know there's some exceptions, but generally speaking, so that they would always uh, have their own version of the strategic model. But talking specifically about simulation and intersection models, um, it's becoming more and more common that. Yeah, road and transport agencies have, you know uh, a large-scale simulation model that can be released to uh, or to use for specific projects. So that they have a kind of database of order models that are being developed in order to ensure some consistency in the approach that's adopted, as well as kind of trying to give a starting point or help with a starting point in the development of a model. Um, but yeah, obviously should refer to your individual agency, uh, road and transport agency, if you want further details on that.
0: Uh, thank you. So while we are on this uh, transport model slide, another question is, are there any models that consider or interact with public transport models? Example, rail, bus services.
1: Um. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you're, if, again, if we talk about simulation models uh, in particular, um, yeah, that, Simulation models have um, various vehicle types that could be in cl- included um, and considered in the in the model. So you can include train services, you can, you can include bus services, which all have an interaction with the road and transport network, and that can be considered in, in the assessment. Um, I, I understand intersection models ha- also have that capability as well, but I guess not as detailed as a simulation model in terms of the behaviours of uh, public transport services or other modes of transport. And then your strategic model also has a consideration to the various modes and the yeah, attractors and generators of uh, various modes of transport.
0: Uh, thank you, Brian. Well, we have uh, very many questions. Uh, I will just ask one last one. Um, so are there any short courses on transport modelling?
1: Short courses. So
0: I'm aware of.
1: Yeah, you know, software providers have their own training courses, which uh, I'm sure you're aware of. So. That can also be referred to there are some kind of other industry uh, courses or webinars or um, things that occur throughout the industry that can refer to such as you know, your AITPM or engineers Australia that can you can have a look at but I think we can have a look into that uh, with the Osroads team and see if in our kind of Q and a responses we can try to provide some recommendations on where to look.
0: Thank you very much. Well, I guess that brings us to uh, the end of the Q&A session and almost the end of our uh, webinar today. Uh, But before we wrap up, um, I wanted to let you know uh, about the webinars planned for um, July and August. Um, I would really like to draw your attention to the session on the 21st of July, Tactical Urbanism, Streets for People. Um, It is a fantastic opportunity to hear leading practitioners from United States, New Zealand, and Australia uh, speak about the latest action in tactical urbanism and how they influence the rethink of public space uh, to build more inclusive, uh, safe, and prosperous cities. Uh, And there is another session on the 13th of August. So we will talk about the best practice approaches to classifying, valuing, and measuring the place uh, function of roads, streets, and surrounding land use. So make sure to register. And I'm just going to share my camera to say bye to everyone. So thanks again to our presenter, Brian, and thanks again to all of our participants and for your questions. Again, if we haven't had a chance to answer uh, your question today, we will definitely do it in writing and you will Uh, Get a response from us uh, shortly after the webinar. So, after we close out today's session, uh, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. So, please take a few minutes to uh, give us some feedback, Uh, let us know what you think. We do read it all and uh, we use it to shape our future webinar program to deliver um, practical and relevant webinars. So, thanks again, everyone. Um, Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. And we hope to see you at our next. Uh, webinar. See ya!